Underwriting for AutoLine this week is provided by... In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week, where we're going to be talking all about alternative fuels for commercial vehicles like propane and natural gas. And joining me for today's discussion are Wayne Moore, the COO of Clean Fuels USA, Joe Thompson, the president of Clean Tech at Roush Industries, and Rob Stevens, the chief engineer for commercial vehicles at the Ford Motor Company. First off, great having you all here on AutoLine. Love having this discussion here. Rob, let me start with you, since you represent an automaker. What's the interest out there amongst people who buy commercial trucks in these alternative fuels, and how's it all going? Uh, it's actually going very, very well. It's growing uh, very rapidly. And, and really what it is is uh, the big commercial customers, fleets, um, they really look at the payback and what is the business case that supports uh, clean energy. So they're not just doing this to be green. It's, exactly. There's a bottom line issue that's driving their decision. They can do both. The cost of these fuels like natural gas and propane are so much lower than gasoline and diesel these days. They both get uh, a benefit from a greenhouse gas effect plus the costs. Paybacks for some of these fuel systems are less than two years. So it's an easy equation to go through and, and deliver it uh, to the end customer. Joe, uh, Roush Industries is making uh, a lot of these conversions, uh, especially with propane. Uh, tell us about the business case. How's it working for you? Uh, Rob says uh, people are really starting to pick up on it. Do you see that the same way? Yeah, we're made, Roush Cleantech's making a lot of noise in this space, and uh, we haven't been in it for a long time. Roush certainly has worked on automotive technology for the better part of four decades. Cleantech, our alternative fuels division, partnered up with Ford Motor Company like we do on everything else. And what we found are the fleets of North America have just been looking for a solution. And now that it's here and it has the economic payback that we talked about, cleans the environment, we're using American fuel and keeping American dollars inside of our borders, there's no reason not to. And Wayne, uh, tell us a little bit about Clean Fuels USA and what's your involvement in this? Well, we've been uh, in business about 20 years in the infrastructure side of supplying uh, dispensing uh, equipment for the fleets. Uh, in the early uh, part of the day of this century, 2000, 2001, we got into liquid propane injection and uh, uh, have really uh, been dedicated to that market with the OEMs uh, more compliant than it's ever been today. The technology's really progressed. So I'll throw this out to all of you and whoever start picking it up. What's the difference between using propane and natural gas and what are the benefits, what are the downsides to either one? I can I can take that one, or I'll start. Uh, Roush, uh, at Roush, we're, we're fuel neutral. We're Roush Clean Tech, not Roush Propane. Propane is what we do, and we believe in propane. You start with the similarities. Both of them exist together under the ground. It's only in the refining process where they're separated. Um, the vehicle systems are very similar. They both require their own unique tank, fuel lines, fuel injectors, that sort of thing. Um, Really, the differences come in how the fuel is stored. Uh, natural gas is stored uh, with a little bit heavier PSI, uh, pounds per square inch. Uh, propane, uh, the liquid type that Wayne and I work with, is stored under about 300, uh, 250 to 300 pounds per square inch. Um, 
there's some a little bit of differences in the BTU content between the two of them, but at the end of the day, we tell our customers they're American. We have a lot of them, and it'll make your car go just like uh, the dirty old gasoline will. So, why are these conversions so expensive? I mean, I, I, I can't quote numbers, but it seems to me it's it's something on the order of ten thousand dollars per vehicle to be able to convert them. That's that's approximately right for a natural gas system. Um, it's typically the f the fuel tanks, the size of the tank and the number of uh, gasoline equivalent gallons, the GGE, that they, they store on board. If you're going to run 26 to 30 gallons of fuel, you're in that range of about $10,000. Um, in Ford, we've got seven QVM upfitters. So these are the, the partners that we have that are doing conversions on a whole host of vehicles that we have. We've got eight different models, unlike our competitors, we are really spreading it across because there's no one specific user of a model. Everybody wants something different and we wanted to offer it that way. Um, so the costs are dependent on, on who's doing the conversion and from our standpoint the nice part is is it's very good competition. The costs have actually dropped from 13, 14,000 now there are some conversions out there that are 8,500 to 9,000. So they're dropping very, very quickly, and that's only over a two-year period. Joe, I still don't understand why it's so expensive, though. I understand the gas tank, the fuel lines have got to be different. My understanding is it's real easy to make the engines run on these things. So where does the, is it, it a is. scale thing? You it is. It's, it's a scale? classic supply and demand. Um, we, uh, those of us who've been in the business, we are seeing exponential growth right now. Uh, like I said, this segment in the fleet business is making a lot of noise. As the volume goes up, naturally the supply will go down because you get the benefit through your supply chain of leveraging that way. But I will, I, I will say this about Ford Motor Company. Their strategy on how to get partners like Roush Cleantech to market has already driven cost out of it as they come with gaseous prep engines uh, through their uh, quality vehicle upfitter uh, program. So you, you start to see us chipping away at it, and um, if this is the first time you've really heard about alternative fuels in this uh, space, it's not going to be the last. There's going to be a lot of noise, and they're going to become more and more affordable as time goes on. Wayne, you mentioned that uh, you do liquid propane. Is there a cost advantage in the conversion from that standpoint, or why have you chosen liquid propane? Just from a performance as well as um, uh, engine drivability. Uh, and reliability uh, is pretty much the liquid injection is putting propane into the cylinder in a liquid phase, not in a gaseous or vapor phase. Uh, provides better performance, better uh, uh, touch to the accelerator pedal and equal to or better than gasoline. Now is it stored as a liquid in the tank? Yes. So you've got a lot more energy density there than if it were a gas. Sure, sure. Propane stored and, and uh, boils at 44 below zero uh, Fahrenheit. It's stored as a liquid and used as a vapor in most cases. Uh, with the particular systems that, that uh, Joe, uh, Roush do and, and Clean Fuel uh, offer, it is nothing different than a gasoline car. It has a fuel pump in the propane tank and pushes the liquid up to the injectors. 
Joe, I've seen uh, Roush refer to it as autogas. Are autogas and propane the exact same thing? They are. And the United States recently adopted the term propane autogas because globally propane is referred to as autogas. And uh, interesting thing there is globally there's 17 million vehicles that run on propane, making it the third most commonly used fuel in the world, only behind gasoline and diesel. So we as we started down this, uh, this trail uh, with the American fleets, we said, look, um, we're going to have, there's a blueprint nationwide or globally with how this can work, so we're going to have to adopt the branding and make it go. We can follow their coattail. Now, we all keep reading about all the shale natural gas that's become available. It's, mm-hmm. it's cut the price so like we've never seen before. I'm reading that it's going to grow and grow and grow, the production of it, for, for decades to come. It might be 2040 or thereouts where it just plateaus and stops uh, going. So why not go with natural gas? What's the advantage of propane? They they're both have advantages as far as we're concerned. They're, they're both, we have a lot of both of them. Um, we are a country that has um, a, a very deep resource uh, that there's plenty of, and it's fairly inexpensive. And now the technology is starting to catch up. And as those catch up, you can look for this to really take off. Um, Propane, uh, we, we find propane uh, easier for the mechanics to work on, I guess, if, if you really want to start to take it apart. Um, but you're still splitting hairs at that point. I, I think those who get lost in arguing about whether propane or natural gas is more important is starting to lose track of what the real objective is, and that's to clean the environment, not to send our money overseas, and to get an affordable uh, solution in with the, uh, the fleets of North America. Yeah, the the cost of natural gas and propane, when they discovered the fracking process, which actually has been around for, I don't know, 100 years. I mean, they've been fracking forever. So um, the fracking process that they discovered would bring up natural gas and also all the vapors um, really separated the cost of those from oil and gasoline. They always tracked relative to each other up until about 2009. At that point, it separated, and that's when it made this business case mm-hmm. much more viable. And that's when this began to take off. Rob, how big could the market be? I mean, is it <clears throat> conceivable every single commercial truck might switch over if the savings are there for these fleets? Absolutely. The, one of the biggest areas that people are working in are the uh, big commercial trucks, over-the-road Class 8s. Uh, the big the, semis. The big semis. Um, they're actually building corridors of, of natural gas is one area, liquid natural gas is another. That They're building the corridors across the country so that they can continue to refuel as they drive. And they know where they're going. There's, we all have apps that have locations of every site that's in the country. Uh, there aren't that many, but as they build the corridor, it makes it much easier. That's really the first inroad is the big Class 8. The, uh, the class seven, six, five, four in that range is, is really next. And we're, we're coming along actually with probably more volume. There aren't that many class eight trucks relative to the hundreds of thousands of uh, super duty trucks that we build every year. You know, Rob makes a really good point. Um, as we found more and more shale plays, uh, we just have so much of it. So natural gas and propane, it's just, it's a business whose time has come. And one of the things that we've worked with Ford on is we've established a product platform and we've worked really hard to set up a service platform because it has so much more to do with just putting product out in the marketplace. And I think 
it, when you talk about what do we need to do to cross that adoption pattern and get it broad-based, if people have a technology that works day in, day out, and we're there, and they've got a service in case it doesn't that can take care of them, I think now you've taken care of two of the top three anxieties there are, with the third one being the infrastructure that Rob was talking about. Wayne, talk a little bit about some of the advantages. I'm thinking power, fuel economy, emissions. What does something like liquid propane do for an engine? The emissions are much improved. The cost to run it, because the fuel is less costly. Back to uh, where it comes from in the shale gas, we've got an abundant supply of natural gas liquids, and propane is one of those. Uh, first time in history we're exporting propane to other countries this year. Um, the, it makes sense. Uh, you can, it's inside $2 a gallon today compared to almost 4 for a gasoline. Okay, now I've been listening to these guys talk, Ford, 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 Ford. Who else is involved in this business? Well, General Motors is uh, it's the clean fuel supplies General Motors, and, and Joe supplies uh, um, Ford. So it's, that's about the two that are doing it. General Motors is offering a, a hardened engine uh, as well, and actually marketing the G4500 commercial cutaway van. It's a 14,000 GVW, and that's who we supply to in that market, as well as uh, freight liners getting into the, uh, uh, to the game. They'll be offering a 33,000 GVW S2 chassis out of their Gaffney, South Carolina plant. And we're supplying the product to that, as well as their sister company uh, is uh, Thomas Built Buses. They'll be offering a school bus on that chassis as well. Oh, very interesting. And, of course, Freightliner is part of Daimler, which includes Mercedes-Benz. How much do you see this going throughout the industry, not just with commercial trucks? Well, and... In Europe, and as, as Joe mentioned earlier, there's 17 million vehicles, uh, trucks, cars running around. You know, it's uh, disheartening to think that we had 600,000 vehicles in the United States in 1980 running on propane. And we, we ran all of that off. It was mostly for economic reasons, uh, gasoline pricing coming down, the price of propane. Uh, today, we're struggling to push 100,000 vehicles in the marketplace. And I would say over the next 10 years, our, our goal um, as an industry is to, is to see a million vehicles on the streets. Oh, so you guys are looking at great business for yourselves over the next decade. Absolutely. We, we really feel that this is, this is going to take off. The alternative fuels, um, Ford's strategy is to, uh, again, working with the upfitters, to be ready for that as we go forward. As the infrastructure builds in, as people understand what the business case is, more and more are, are piling on to that, that customers are expanding out beyond just the big fleets who really understand it and are very sophisticated about their costs. Now the smaller guys are seeing what they're doing and following suit. So uh, Wayne was just talking about uh, the 17 million, and I think Joe mentioned that earlier, of vehicles over in Europe running on auto gas. And it's true. I mean, I've been over in Europe, and almost every station sells auto gas. In fact, uh, a former uh, GM design exec, a friend of mine, Ann Asensio, mm -hmm. runs around in a, in a Chevy Tahoe. And, you know, 
that's the Uber SUV that they especially hate in Europe until she tells everybody, oh, yeah, well, it's greener than what you're driving because I run this thing on auto gas. What's Ford's plans along those lines for commercial vehicles, or is it already doing that in Europe? Well, we really haven't, haven't moved over to Europe. Actually, there are vehicles over there that are being converted right now, and it's, uh, Italy is probably yeah. one of the biggest markets in, uh, in the, the European Union there. Um, so that is happening. Uh, we're looking at more and more how to expand on that. Um, we have a number of vehicles here that are, that are already doing it. Uh, it's, it's becoming a huge market. So. If you look at the economic conditions in Europe, too, um, uh, relative to the cost of a liter of gasoline. So last time you were in Europe, you can probably remember. It was eight bucks a gallon. It's eight, eight bucks a gallon. So their hand has been forced. In America here, we're just starting to cringe at $4 a gallon, and our $8 a gallon is ahead of us, okay? And um, that's why companies like Ford and Clean Fuels USA and Roush Cleantech, we're at the base of a significant multiplier here. And we've been working hard on the technology, and we think we stand ready with the technology, and the days are now coming when the American um, buying habits are going to be forced from an economic standpoint. Right. Isn't the reason that uh, it's really caught on on the commercial side? A, fleets, to your point, Joe, they, uh, Rob, they, they watch every dollar and cent. They don't buy things unless there's going to be a, a quick ROI, return on investment. But, um, you know, could this ever make sense outside of the commercial uh, end of the business? I, I mean, could normal, everyday consumers like myself maybe go out and buy with this in the future? It, it could be. The way we're approaching it, Ford, is, is you've heard the term power of choice. Within Ford, we've got everything from pure battery electric to CNG, all the plug-in hybrids, hybrids. And that's really what we're looking for now is the, the true choice to give to the consumer. The way it, it works today, given the fuel prices, the electrification on the lighter vehicles, what I would, the, the car industry and the, the very light trucks, that seems to be working very fine. But in the heavier end of the industry, CNG um, and propane are really working. Now, it depends on how the prices go, which way does it work. And that's why we provide power of choice. It gives you those alternatives that are in the marketplace to say, you can choose. It's all here. Of course, commercial vehicles, there's a lot of room under those trucks. You can put those big tanks. Uh, have you figured anything out here, Wayne, of how to downsize these things and get them into passenger cars? Well, yes. There's, uh, in Europe, they have toroidal tanks together uh, available. They're round tanks, and uh, a small car don't need 20 gallons, you know. Uh, 15, 18 gallons is just sufficient for them. But uh, um, that takes us to fueling infrastructure and trying to drive across country in a propane-powered vehicle that's dedicated and doesn't, doesn't run by fuel or gasoline and propane. There are kits available that, that do that. Most of them are not OEM-selected systems. But the fueling infrastructure, you can drive a propane vehicle all the way across the country. Um, there are over 4,000 fueling stations across the country. What you deal with cross doing that, long trips, is the pricing. Is the propane company that you pull into going to sell the fuel equitable to gasoline? And many times you'll pull in and it'll be a 
RV site, it would be expensive to buy the fuel, much more than gasoline. So that infrastructure needs some work, needs some massaging. Sounds like it needs more competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> it does. I have to go back to the uh, to a to an old friend named Ivan Jakes that always said, you know, before you take off, you need a flight plan, and uh, you can get there from here. But back in uh, 2001, there was a uh, propane vehicle uh, convention in Kansas City. Said you can get there from here. I drove it from Mexico City. <laughs> no got kidding. Yeah. yeah. So fueling infrastructure is a big. The interesting thing, specific to propane, um, the, the interesting thing in the last few years is we've found, going back to the shale plays, we found so much propane in those shale plays that propane used to follow the price of crude. Uh, now it's decoupled from that. Now it's following the natural gas. So that makes natural gas and propane very close, uh, if not brothers and sisters. They're at least cousins in this play. And um, I think the fleets of North America, as we talk to them, they see them interchangeable in many aspects. But you talked about the ROI, the return on investment. Those big trucks that have plenty of space and run log a lot of miles is the best place for us to start. And for us, that's where we're starting. Yeah. Who's going to build the infrastructure? That's actually happening in many, many places. There are a number of companies that are out there that are dedicated strictly to that. Mm -hmm. But it, the interesting part is it's not necessarily the oil industry. It can be others. We have four dealerships that want to put a, uh, a CNG fueling on their property. It would help bring vehicles back into the, the dealership. So it, it opens up a whole new market of where they put them. Now, obviously, the, the higher pressure CNG, it's pretty expensive. I mean, there's a it's a million dollars a unit to put in a uh, CMG infrastructure. Propane is a lot less from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. So there is a little bit of difference in the benefit of one versus the other there. But the, the CNG industry is, is putting in more and more. I think there's 1,100 units and stations out there right now that are providing for the industry. Are there any government incentives or subsidies? I mean, electric cars are heavily subsidized. You can get a $7,500 tax credit. There's yeah. a lot coming along for uh, fuel cells as well. Well, what about these two fuels? You know, at Roush, as we started to get into the alternative fuels business, we had an edict from Jack Roush, you're going to get in the alternative fuels business. We studied hydrogen, we studied electric vehicles, we studied uh, natural gas, we studied propane. And one of our few rules we had was it cannot require government subsidies to succeed. And uh, gaseous fuels, if there are subsidies available right now, 50 cents per gallon, um, some infrastructure credits and that sort of thing, but we, we've seen our greatest growth when it wasn't there a year ago. Um, and the great thing about uh, gaseous fuels, natural gas and propane, is when they do go away, those will still box and put a return on investment for the adopters. It really just does make it even better from mm -hmm. the, the yeah. fact that it, a two-year payback, uh, it's, it's less than that as you go forward. Uh, some states are actually putting money into it. Oklahoma, um, West Virginia, I think, just put out a statement on fueling infrastructure and conversion of vehicles. So it's, uh, it's happening in various places, but I agree it's... It's better if it works on its own without the subsidies. That the fleet owner's not going to do it and run an alternative fuel if, it don't, if it's not economically feasible or makes sense. Um, bottom line, it's not for 
clean air necessarily. He may be able to run I'm Green on the back of the vehicle and tell his community, <laughs> but it's for, for less cost per mile driven. Fueling infrastructure, we've put in 85 stations uh, throughout California, uh, Denver, Phoenix, and Texas in the last uh, year and a half, two years, funded by the federal government or helped uh, on a 50-50 uh, uh, grant. So the stations are coming, you know, we're building them and supplying the equipment to build more. This is really exciting listening to y'all talk about this. I mean, I, I feel like we're on the verge of some sort of breakthrough here. It is happening, and it's happening because the business case makes sense now. Right. Um, you know, we talked about it uh, just briefly, but the infrastructure for a propane station is $50,000 per station. It's not a lot. And in some cases, the fuel provider will give you the station. It's like the cell phone. I give you the phone, but you buy the minutes from me, right? Um, so we have that going on with a lot of our big fleets, Bluebird School Bus, Frito-Lay, uh, Super Shuttle, whom we've talked about. Uh, they use and consume enough gallons that the infrastructure is there. So it is a business case whose time has come, and it is low fruit for our adopters. And it, there's got to be very low emissions associated. I, I know you mentioned it was lower. Anybody can put a number on that? Well, natural gas is about a 30% improvement, 25 to 30% improvement in greenhouse gas. That's without doing anything else. Just apply the fuel, which is a big step. If you look at what we've done year over year with various powertrains, to have a 30% jump just by changing fuel Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good That's step. That's significant. The one thing we have done, though, is, is in all these engines, and we've touched on it briefly, is we've hardened the engine, meaning the, the valves and the seats have to be hard. Um, it's a, these are very dry fuels, and they will end up wearing out a normal engine that runs on gasoline. Uh, and that's why we sell these engines already prepped, ready to go with that technology in it. And it's key that we only convert those engines. If they go off converting other ones, those engines are going to wear out. Very interesting conversation. We're going to have to wrap it up right now. But Wayne Moore, Joe Thompson, Rob Stevens, thanks so much for coming in. I'm really excited about this. I, I, I got to go out and help Good tell day. the world. And I just told a bit of you about it. So thanks for tuning in to AutoLine this week. Underwriting for Auto Line this week is provided by. In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The hybrid game MPG Challenge.